0: Survival of the Fittest, by Elaine Miles. Attention. Attention. The UK is currently under attack from nuclear weapons. You have approximately four minutes to find shelter. Communications have been severely disrupted. The number of casualties and the extent of the damage are not yet known. Stay tuned to this channel, stay calm, and stay indoors. To plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be front, you Three minutes warning. Ben surveyed the cellar shelves, gripping his clipboard and freshly sharpened pencil. Forty cans of beans? Check. Fifty packs of noodles? Check. Twenty tins of powdered milk? Check. Thirty bags of pasta? Alice, move out of the way. There's a good girl. You're blocking my view of the dry goods. Alice shuffled aside. She didn't see why they had to go through it all again. They'd only done a full inventory two days earlier. It was just an excuse for him to boss her around. Alice, make yourself useful, Ben instructed. You can check the medical supplies. Alice picked up her clipboard, observing as she did so that Ben was signing his own inventory. Why? Who was going to check? Can we get some long-life chocolate? Alice asked. Don't be frivolous, Ben replied. When disaster strikes, chocolate will be the last thing on your mind, believe me. This had not been Alice's experience of any life crisis to date, but she didn't argue the point. She hadn't known Ben was a prepper when they'd met six months earlier. When he'd first mentioned it, she'd thought he must be some sort of homework tutor, but he'd soon put her straight. A prepper was, he explained, a person prepared for an unexpected large-scale emergency that will end civilization as we know it. He was a member of the Forward Planning Organisation. FPO, special division, team leader and coordinator. He had a badge. He'd asked Alice if she'd like to see his Bob, which she'd been relieved to discover was his bug-out bag, an emergency survival kit containing a length of wire, a torch, a gas mask, vitamin tablets, water bags and two MREs, meals ready to eat. Alice was discovering preppers were big on acronyms. It also contained a rather large knife. He'd been quite evasive when she'd asked him what that was for. He'd made up a bob for her, which she thought was sweet of him, although he'd been rather irritated when she'd popped in a lipstick, an eye pencil, and a can of L'Oreal Total Control Hairspray Extra Shine. We're all under threat, he informed her solemnly. Economic meltdowns, earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis... Tsunamis, Alice giggled. But we're in Trowbridge. This isn't a joke, he went on. Pandemics, terrorist attacks, chemical warfare. It's only a matter of time. The oil's going to run out eventually. When the Tesco's lorries can't get out of the depot, it's all over. There's always little, she said, in a futile attempt to inject some humour. It really isn't funny, Alice. If the national grid goes down, it'll be a WROL situation, without rule of law. Do you really think the government will come to the rescue? Oh, no. They'll be all right. They've got their underground bunkers well stocked up. Communism, that's what we need. Did you know there are enough bunkers in Russia for the entire population? Not in class-ridden Britain. We'll be left to fend for ourselves. And, as if to underline the point, he adopted a karate pose. Ben lived near open woodland in the rather dilapidated house he'd inherited from his mother, and Alice, who was a little tired of sofa surfing, had moved in just weeks after they'd met. He'd shown her the cellar first. His emergency food rations, hurricane lanterns, water jerry cans, batteries. He seemed to have thought of everything. He suddenly spent a lot of time down there, The cellar was very handy, he said, for avoiding unwanted visitors, though he didn't specify who they might be. Alice found the cellar a little spooky, but didn't say so, privately resolving to brighten it up with strings of fairy lights and some scented candles. She was sure he wouldn't mind. Just weeks after Alice had moved in, Ben returned from work waving a brochure. Solar panels, Alice, he said. This time next week we'll be off-grid. I thought you were maxed out, she said. New credit card, he replied. Access to credit, essential survival tactic. She thought about all the unopened mail on the table upstairs. They'll come looking for you, you know, Alice muttered. She was something of an authority on unsecured debt. They'll send people round. Do you really think when Armageddon strikes, the banks will be chasing creditors? Ben snapped. Clearly, he didn't just think the world might go into meltdown. He was counting on it. After all, anyone could see he wouldn't be keeping his job for much longer. He'd been calling in sick more often than not. Judging from some of the text messages he was getting, his boss was on to him. You'll get the sack, you know, Alice told him, when he showed no sign of going into work yet again. Ben looked up from his new book, The Gift of Fear. I've got a lot on my plate he said. There's the inventory to do, I've got the chicken run to build. But how will we pay the bills? Alice cried. She'd lost her job six months earlier. She was maxed out as well. If Ben went down, she'd be going with him. This relationship wasn't going to plan at all. And what about the puppy he'd promised her? Honestly, Alice, Ben sighed when she brought it up again. We'd have enough to think about in a global catastrophe without a dog to consider. What about a baby then? We could get a couple of rabbits, I suppose, he conceded. And to her delight, he came home the very next day with two adorable white rabbits. They're gorgeous, Alice cried. I shall call them Millie and Tilly. They're nice and plump, Ben said, eyeing them thoughtfully. Oh, and by the way, we're going hunting tomorrow. But I can't kill animals, she cried. Sweetheart, he said. In a crisis situation, we'll need protein. We'll have to hunt deer, squirrels and other small furry animals. Cheer up. I'll show you my stock of firearms if you're a good girl. Buoyed by this latest demonstration of affection, Alice's spirits lifted. She knew this was a big step for Ben. It was all so romantic. And in spite of her misgivings, she found herself enjoying her first session of shooting practice. Ben had awarded her full marks for accuracy. As the nights drew in, Ben and Alice began sleeping in the cellar. Hardship practice, Ben called it. It seemed the more subterranean their lives became, the happier he was. It was a bit scary at first, but Ben had given her some tablets to help her sleep. Moving the mattress into the cellar had had some unexpected benefits. One night, Ben had made passionate love to Alice wearing his camouflage trousers and flak jacket, though Alice realised she'd taken things a little too far when she jumped out at him from behind the jerry cans wearing only a gas mask. Ben had jackknifed into a combat pose and given her a long lecture about false alarms. She shouldn't have been surprised, she realised. A key requisite for a committed prepper appeared to be a total absence of a sense of humour. Ben was leaving the cellar less and less, and when he did go out, he'd begun locking Alice in. He didn't give a reason. She'd insisted on having the rabbits with her for company, but always made sure to pop them back into the hutch before Ben came back. He had flown into a jealous rage one afternoon when he'd found the three of them cuddled up together, fast asleep. She wasn't going to risk that again. "'You're not going to work?' she said one morning, as he sat polishing his rifle. "'I've resigned,' he replied. "'What?' Alice cried. What are we going to live on our wits he said we are preppers you and me you've been fired haven't you no silly girl all this worrying it's not good for you take a tablet and rest i've got an fpo simulation event today when i get back i'll cook you a nice meal and we'll watch a disaster movie together that will cheer you up he handed her a pill and a glass of water you have a nap i'll be back later Obediently, Alice swallowed the tablet, curled up on the mattress and sank into a deep sleep. She awoke to the sound of clattering plates. Ben was setting the table for supper. She was starving. She must have been asleep for hours. Wake up sleepyhead, Ben said cheerfully. Supper's ready. He placed a bowl of piping hot stew on the table. How sweet of him to cook for her. This is delicious, Alice said tucking in enthusiastically. The meat's so tender. What is it? Ben lowered his fork, not meeting her eye. Ben? Alice whispered, realisation dawning. Oh, Ben, how could you? Who are we? I mean, which? Tilly, he said, with evident pleasure. At least, I think it was Tilly. It might have been Millie believe you stop blubbering you stupid girl he shouted there's no room for sentiment in survival i hate you alice shouted back you're mad you've gone stark raving mad this prepping it's taken over our lives you're obsessed ben obsessed he said the apocalypse is coming alice then what Can you imagine what it'll be like, 70 million people on the same small island, all competing for the same resources? He pushed her up against the wall, jabbing his finger into her face. I told you, didn't I? Didn't I? It's happening. The end of life as we know it. It's happening. Life? What life? She complained. We don't have a life. "'You've got no job, we've got no money, we live underground like rats, "'we never go out, we've got no friends, and you killed our rabbit! "'What kind of life is that exactly?' "'She leapt up and started shoving her belongings into her rucksack. "'I'm going,' she said. "'I can't stand it anymore. Living underground, it's not normal, Ben!' "'Ben stepped towards her. "'I could stop you,' he said. "'Who's to say you wouldn't tell everyone about my supplies, about my secret location?' That would put me in a CPD situation. Clear and present danger. He reached for his rifle. I thought you loved me, she said, not daring to move. I do, he said, but it's up to you. You can choose to stay. Or... You're right. Of course, she said. Yes, I see it now. We are both under threat and you're just trying to protect us. That's it. Ben said, placing the rifle on the table. Dear Alice, I knew you'd see sense in the end. Now then, I've got patrol duty, shan't be too long. Why don't you do your inventory, there's a good girl. Pulling on his flak jacket, he turned to go up the set of steps. And Alice picked up the gun. <laughs> a single shot to the head and he lay slumped at the foot of the cellar steps. She'd never seen so much blood. Oh, but how he'd have hated the mess. She scooped up Millie, or possibly Tilly, tucking the rabbit under her coat, then picked up her rucksack and stepped over Ben's lifeless body. Up the cellar steps and into the daylight. He should never have taken her hunting, of course, much less taught her how to use a rifle, but he'd been determined to teach her how to survive. And all in all, he seemed to have done a pretty good job of it. Survival of the Fittest was written by Elaine Miles and read by Eleanor Barrett. Studio production was by Mark Lingwood. It was brought to you by Tempest Productions. And now a word from our sponsor, which is us, Tempest Productions. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make more, then why not buy us a coffee via Kofi? That's ko-fi.com forward slash Tempest Productions. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Tempest Productions.